How many of you want to make heaven happy today? And I want heaven to be happy with me. In fact, when I come to the close of my life, I want to hear these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Behold, I want to give you much. I want heaven to be happy. In fact, we learned today uh, from our Sunday circle. Oh, everybody say Sunday circles. Now, let me stop. I've got to pause here. Uh, if you weren't in Sunday circles, it's only halftime. We've done three. There's three more to go. And without, I'm, I, I'm tempted to uh, uh, put you under the gun here. I won't. But I just want to encourage, if you've not been to Sunday circles, come next Sunday at 930. There's homemade bread and, and things like that and coffee and great fellowship and great ministry together. You see the tables. In fact, next week, our, all our tables were full. That means we had uh, four, uh, let's see, eight, eight, uh, 30 some people here. And so we're going to put out another table. Beverly, don't let me forget. And we're going, to, we're going to trust God that if you weren't here, you'll be here. We'll fill up another table and you'll find how easy it is uh, to gain insight and friends and fellowship uh, around the table of the Lord. And everybody said, amen. And so we learned at Sunday Circles, what was the scripture? Luke what? Somebody help me, Luke. Luke 12, 22. 32, what did it say, Sunday Circles people? Don't be afraid of what? For it's God's pleasure. He's happy. It makes him happy to give you the kingdom. God wants to give you. It makes him happy to bless you. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to bless you today. And the way he wants to bless you is you make him happy. How many of you know when your kids make you happy, you want to make them happy? Amen. So that's where we've been the last couple of Sundays. Today's part three. Let me give you a quick review of where we've been because I think where we've been is important to understanding this thought of making heaven happy. We began in Luke chapter 15 with the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, or some would call the prodigal son. You remember the parable? Parables are just Jesus' short teachings to, to, to teach a a life principle, if you will. And here's what it says uh, about all those three things that were lost. It says in verse 7, in reference to the lost sheep, I say to you, this is in red, Jesus says this, that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, pardon me, than 99 just persons who need no repentance. So these parables all teach this principle. And here's the overarching theme of these parables. And it is this, all of heaven gets happy when that which is lost is found. Let's say that out loud real proud. Here we go. All of heaven gets really happy when that which is lost is found. That's how you make heaven happy. That's the primary purpose of our life is to more for heaven, less for hell. And I think when, when there's more for hell and less for heaven, he, heaven's not happy. But when we, <coughs> when we really focus our life, not only around, uh, you know, just being happy. Well, most people, all they want to do is be happy. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. How many of you know, God, God is not as concerned about your happiness as he is heaven's happiness. Amen. And so we need to kind of flip the tables there a little bit and realize my goal in life is not to be happy, uh, but to make heaven happy. Uh, and so that's what we looked at in Luke 15. Now, and last week, we looked at Luke 10, another parable. It was the parable of the good Samaritan. And you remember that. I don't want to have to go over it again. In fact, if you miss, you can go online and you can listen 
uh, uh, to this uh, uh, message from the parable of the Good Samaritan. Here's some thoughts from last week. It was this. There's no such thing as a compassionless Christianity. If hurting lost people don't move you, you're nothing more than a religious relic with no real life inside. How many of you know Christianity is about compassion for others? That's what the parable of the Good Samaritan's all about. And so we, lo- we thought about this and we made this declaration. We make heaven happy by being a true neighbor to a world that is beaten, battered, and bruised by life. When we help other people, true neighbors, that's what God is wanting us to be, true neighbors. They bring help, healing, hope, and heaven to a world that is lost. A world that is, is desperately separated from God, that has been bruised and battered and beaten by the troubles and trauma of sin. How many of you know this world will beat you up, spit, chew you up, and spit you out? I'm telling you, this world we live in does nothing more than hurt and harm us. That's why Jesus came. And if we want to make heaven happy, we got to realize that we're here to help other people find Christ and find healing and find hope in their hearts. And that was last week. And I encourage you to embrace the heart of what it means to be a true neighbor. Now this morning, I want to kind of, uh, kind of expand that thought just a little bit. How many of you know, if you please God with your life, heaven will be happy. Have you ever felt like your life was not pleasing to God? We all have, right? Have you ever looked at your life and said, man, if I was God... I would do me in. Right? You looked at, yeah, have you ever looked in the mirror and said, you know, you just need a good old, come on now. You just know heaven's not happy with you. But if we can make God happy with us, with how we live our life, if we can become what I'm going to term a God pleaser, we need a whole new generation of God pleasers. And this world that we live in that is so self-minded, so concerned about my pleasures, the pleasures of this life and me, myself, and I, we need to turn the tables on that as well and realize that our goal in life is to make heaven happy and become a person that pleases God, making heaven happy. Making heaven happy is all about making sure God the Father is well pleased with the way we live our lives here on planet earth. Say that with me because this is so true and this prince, this is what we're going to be talking about today. How you live your life. Read it with me. Making heaven happy is all about making sure that God the Father is well pleased with the way we live our lives here on planet earth. And we need to ask ourselves, is God pleased with how I'm living my life here on planet earth? Does he look down and go, man, that's pleasing to me. We need to become a God pleaser. And I think this morning, all of us have areas in our life where if the truth were known, we know, you know, this area in my life is not pleasing to God. And if we can begin to focus on those areas and begin to say, Lord, I want to please you in every area of my life. I love this promise from Proverbs 16, 7. It says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. How many of you got in? Well, I don't talk about your enemies, but we all have enemies sometimes. We're not maybe people, but we have things we battle with. Well, the, the proverb here says, if you will begin to please God with the way you live your life. In fact, that word ways means the course of life. 
All of us have a course of life. We have a, a you know, a, the way we live life. And some of us, uh, <clears throat> the course of our life is, is, is off kilter a little bit. And we, we look at our life and go, well, my mama, my daddy, and all these things, they've messed me up. And I've got this flawed course of life. Uh, y- you've heard people say things like this. Uh, well, he just has a way about him. You ever heard that? Well, you, people talking about somebody, well, you know, he just has a way about him. What, what are they saying? That's just the way he is. That's the course of his life. And, and the proverb here says, when your ways, when the course of your life, listen to me, when the course of your life began to please God, he'll look down in the middle of your world and he'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. Somebody say amen. Haggai the prophet said this in Haggai 1.7. He said, consider your ways. Everyone say that. Consider your ways. That means to think about the way you live and, and begin to ponder the way you live and consider the course of life, the direction of your life and ask yourself, am, am I living a life that is pleasing to God? Am I going to come to the close of my life and hear God say with a, with a sense of pleasure, well done. Amen. We please God and make heaven happy by the way we live life on planet earth. So we've got to consider our ways today. Look at your neighbor and say, we've got to consider our ways. We've got to consider our ways this morning. One of the hang-ups. How many of you know there's always a hang-up? There's always a hiccup to something. Nothing just comes easy in life. Has everything come easy for you? There's always seem to be a hiccup somewhere, right? There'll always be a hang-up somewhere. One of the hang-ups with pleasing God, you know what it is? It's always feeling like you got to please yourself or somebody else. Any people pleasers in the house today? Man, Google that. There was too much to talk about when I Googled people pleasers. There, you know there's some messed up people out there. And if you're a people pleaser, I can't help you much today. Google it, man. I'll tell you, there's all kinds. There must be a lot of that out there. People pleasers. They feel like they got to please everybody. How many of you know if you're spending all your time trying to please everybody else and all, or maybe all your time trying to please yourself, you'll never please God. If you spread yourself out so far trying to please everybody. Now, there's nothing wrong with helping people. There's nothing wrong. How many of you know, uh, we're talking about out of boundaries kind of things. We just feel like, oh, I got to please everybody. I got to please them. And I live my life trying to please others. Well, Scripture, they, these people must have been hanging around when Paul was in town. Because Paul addressed it quite often. There were people that uh, uh, pleased. Uh, uh, they didn't please God. They didn't please themselves. Uh, they were people pleasers and he shares that and he says listen in many ways he says I don't want to please myself I want to please God how many want to be a pleaser of God amen well we got a good model to follow we got a couple of good models to follow Uh, number one Jesus he lived his whole life the Bible says he lived his whole life as a God pleaser on planet earth in fact when God would make himself manifest on the earth, when Jesus was here, he, and, and in fact, on the Mount of Transfiguration, and uh, hmm, maybe, I'm trying to remember, God would come and God spoke, this is my beloved son, in whom I am what? Well pleased. 
God looked down upon Jesus in Matthew, it was Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 and Matthew 17. This is my beloved son in who I'm well pleased. It's not Matthew uh, 3, 7. It's Matthew 3, 17. By the way, that's my typo. And then Matthew 17, 5. In fact, Matthew 17, 5 is the Mount of Transfiguration uh, where God looked down and he interrupted Peter's plans to build a church there. Uh, three churches, by the way. He said, one for me, uh, one for Moses, and one for all of y'all. Hey, this be great. And God interrupts, said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Basically what he said in a nice way, shut up and listen to God. I'm happy with him. Not very happy with you right now because you're talking too much. <laughs> Jesus lived his life as a people, as, not as a people pleaser, but as a God pleaser. In fact, John chapter 8, he makes this declaration, verse 29. He says, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus said, I always, everybody say always. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Now, that's a goal that all of us uh, can begin to work towards. Where we look at our life and we say, I'm, I'm, in, in every way of my life, I'm doing everything I can to please God. And of course, Paul the Apostle lived his life as a God-pleaser after he was born again. In fact, even before he was born again as a religious zealot, he thought he was pleasing God. He thought he was obeying God by killing Christians. He had a right heart, but he had a wrong, he had a right motive, but he had a wrong methodology and he was all mixed up and God shows up in his life. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 9. He said, we always make it our aim. Everyone say our aim. He said, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Paul said, that's the way, that's the aim of my life. That's the goal of my heart, my life, is to be well-pleasing to God. And you and I know if we'll become well-pleasing to Him, if we'll begin to please Him with the way we live, we'll begin to consider our ways, then we can begin to please God. And when we please God, heaven is happy. Everybody say happy, happy, happy. Who says that, Phil? Is it Phil? Or is it Cy? Cy? By the way, I got a Facebook friend who took a picture with Cy Robertson yesterday in his house. I thought, how did he get in there? And, and, and then there was, who is it, Miss, Miss Kay? Miss Kay, she was there. I thought, how do you do that? I need to hang around him more. I'd love to meet old Cy. Everybody go, happy, happy, happy. See, hey, listen, it's not about me being happy. It's about God being happy. And if God, as we said last week, you know, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And if daddy ain't happy, nobody cares. But if God ain't happy, it doesn't matter who else wants to be happy. If God's not happy, we're all in trouble. We need to live our lives to make heaven happy. If we're going to make it our aim to please God and to make heaven happy, we can't spend all of our time and energy trying to make people happy. we got to change the way we live. In fact, let me show you Galatians 1.10. Let me just show this to you. Let me show you this. Everybody say, uh, okay, Pastor. Look at Galatians 1.10. For do I persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. What's he saying? I, if I'm going to spend all my time trying to please you, I can't serve God. 
My goal in my life is not to make you happy, but to make heaven happy. Look over to uh, Ephesians. Just take a ride. Ephesians 6, 6. <coughs> What's he saying here? He says this. He says, uh, 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 well, verse 5, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers. See, evidently, Paul had met some men pleasers in his life. Paul realized that our culture has a tendency and an insecurity about themselves, I guess, to always try, I gotta make everybody help, happy. I gotta spend all my time and energy making sure that everybody loves me and everybody's happy and they love me and they're taking good, and they're, and, and I feel good about myself because I make them happy and, and deal with all the inner insecurities of my life. Paul said, hey, bond, if you're gonna be a bond servant, you can't be a man pleaser. You can't be pleasing of men. And then I love Colossians 3.23. Take another ride. He's hitting every church with this. Every letter just about. He, he addresses this issue. And this was a good, a good one. Colossians 3.23. He says this. And whatever you do. Everybody say whatever you do. I'd stop and scribble this one down. I, I, I really would. I don't know if it's. I don't think it's in your notes. But you ought to scribble this down. And whatever you do. Do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to men. You see, I got a feeling if you'll do everything in your power, if we'll do everything in our power to be pleasing to God with the way we live uh, and we consider our ways, I got a feeling we'll begin to be a blessing to the world around us. And, and Paul told the Colossians, he said, whatever you do, everybody said, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Don't spend your time trying to please people or even please yourself. If you'll spend time trying to please God and be a God pleaser in life, then guess what? I got a feeling we'll be happy. Heaven will be happy. Our friends will be happy. Everybody say happy, happy, happy. Woo! Look at your neighbor and say, we got to please God and not men. Tell somebody that. Now, I've got plenty of time and I'll do my best to let you out a little before noon if y'all don't amen me too much. I just did a quick run through the New Testament. This is not, this is not deep revelation. It's just, I'm going to point out some things. Can I just point out some things? I want to give you the seven ways of a God pleaser from the New Testament. Kind of give you a New Testament pattern, uh, and, and let you just kind of embrace these thoughts in your life. And, and, and if you got your Bible, we're going to look at a lot of different passages today. Normally, I, I just hit you one or two, but we're going to go through, we're just going to take a quick walk through some of the New Testament thoughts as I look to this. I, I thought, what does make God happy? How does, what makes God pleased with our life? When God looks down and sees us, what is pleased? Pleasing to him. Most of us know what is not pleasing. How many of you know what, what's not pleasing to God? How do we know that? How did you get to know that? Because experience, right? <laughs> personal experience. I have personal experience with not with making God unhappy with me. Now, I'm going to give you some insight today. And you can take these seven thoughts and begin to appropriate them in your life and say, you know, if I'll begin to walk in these and I'll begin to learn these thoughts in my life, I can become a God pleaser. My ways, how I live my life can please God. Number one, here it is. It's the way of faith. You know this scripture. What does it say in Hebrews 12, 5 and 6? It says this, basically, verse 6. Without faith, 
It's impossible to please God. That's where it all begins. You see, when you have, in fact, the Bible says God's given us all a measure of faith. You're here today because you have faith. You're born again because you have faith. But the, the way of our, of pleasing God is a way of faith today. We, we endeavor to stretch our faith at the place of prayer for miracles. I believe that pleases God. I believe God gets happy when we begin to stretch our faith and grow our faith and trust God and believe God. In fact, the Bible says, if you trust in Him and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him, He'll direct your path. Why? Because He's pleased with you. And He wants you to walk by faith and not by sight. And the God-pleaser is always finding a way to trust God and to believe God. A God-pleaser, when everything's going south, when everything seems to be going under, when everything seems to be crossed, haired and mixed up and messed up a real God pleaser says I don't care what I see with my eyes I'm not looking with the natural eyes I'm looking through the eyes of faith and I know regardless of what I see feel or think God is in charge and I'm trusting him in my life come on preacher preach about faith a little bit (laughs) that pleases God you see, some of you are looking at your life and you're going, uh, you're going, man, why, why is God letting this go? Why is God, how come this, this all seems to be fouled up here? Oh God, what is going on? He's trying to teach you to walk by faith and not by sight. My Lord, somebody say, my Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if I were you, now I'm not you, but if I were you, that's where I'd begin. I'd begin to say, every area of my life, I want to trust God. Some of you are worried about the rent money. You've got to trust God. Some of you are worried about your physical infirmity. You've got to trust God. You've got to believe God. You've got to release it. You've got to begin to experience it. You've got to begin to expect it. Uh, uh, you know, you ask some people, how are you doing? Well, I guess I'm okay under the circumstances. Well, listen, a, a, more, a, a more faith-filled posture would be, well, listen, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, and, and I'm not under anybody's circumstances. I'm a child of God. I belong to God. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. God is a God of healing, health, and wholeness, and provision. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. But I'd try some of that. If I I was you, I'd try some of that. I'd quit mumbling, complaining, whining, and crying, and kicking, and frothing, and foaming, and start walking by faith in life. I may never get done today. Y'all, y'all amen me too much right there. Don't ag me on. We'll go back at it a minute. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It's just impossible. Heaven's not happy when you're doubting Him all the time. Doubt and fear, just let the enemy run roughshod over your life. I'll never forget Mary Ellison. None of you know Mary Ellison. Mary Ellison was one of those ladies in church that would just get under your skin just a little bit, but, but not enough for you not to love her. She would always bring a tambourine to church. Every worship leader's nightmare. We had to steal. I think somebody stole her tambourine. I don't know. 
You know the kind. You know what I'm talking about. And if I'm not mistaken, Beverly, you can tell me one time when, we, when things got really going, I looked back and she was, we didn't have pews, we had chairs. She was jumping over the chairs. That's Mary. You got to know Mary to love Mary. Mary got breast cancer. And, and every time you'd see Mary, Mary, how you doing? I'm healed and made whole in the name of Jesus. You know, she just almost graped me wrong with her strong posture. I want to say, come on, Mary, I'm your pastor. Let me know. She said, I'm healed and made whole in the name of Jesus. And even through surgery, I'm healed and made whole in the name of Jesus. And you know what? She's in heaven today, but it's not because of cancer. Because she walked through that and she looked me in the eye one day. I said, what did the doctor say? She said, there's no more cancer in my body. I'm healed and made whole in the name of Jesus. And I have to say, that was more Mary than her preacher. And I'm telling you what now. God looked down on Mary and said, Oh, that makes me happy. Hallelujah. It's the way of faith. I'm going to consider my ways. Am I walking by faith or am I walking by sight? Am I trusting him? And I believing him in the midst of the troublesome times and the impossible things of life. Some of you got more hope in the next election than you do in Jesus. I don't know if I have much hope in any of these elections. That's, all, that's about as political as I'll get right there. It's the way of faith. Without, everybody say without faith. It's impossible to please God. It really is. And here's the thing. God has already given you a measure of faith. It's allotted to every person a measure of faith. And the Bible says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and you say to this amount and be removed, and you don't doubt in your heart, it'll have to obey you. Jesus taught us in many, and I was just going to hit this. Maybe we'll just save some of this for next week. Ooh, that'd keep me from having to prepare so much. Next week. If you just have a little bit, it's kind of like Brill cream. Okay, let's see that. How many of you have no clue what Brill cream is? You poor, pathetic souls. Back in the old timey days. That's where me and Jim lived in the old timey days. Brill cream was man's, man's hair, hair, you, Oh, man, you'd slick it back. And here was the thing. A little dab will do you. Faith is like brill cream. All you need is a little bit, and it'll go a long way. But here's the thing about that little bit. It can grow and get stronger and more, more powerful and more vibrant and more authoritative. And you can look at devils and tell devils to get out of people, and they have to obey you. You can speak to sickness, and sickness has to go in the name of Jesus. You can speak to dead people, and they will have to come back to life. Woo! It's the way of faith. Consider your ways, Haggai said. As if a man's ways please the Lord. If a man has faith, he'll please God. He'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. It's the way of faith. Let me give you one or two more. Ooh, I got, I got some time. It's the way of the Spirit. Everybody say the way of the Spirit. Turn over to Romans 8. Let me show you this. Romans 8. 
Paul the Apostle, talking about the walking in the Spirit, he says this. I'm going to read you some verses. Hang with me. Eight verses. I'm going to go all the way to eight. Hang tough. Don't fall asleep. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Somebody say amen. According, uh, 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 on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Everyone say, according to the Spirit. It's the way of the Spirit that pleases God. That's what we're talking about. Verse 5, for those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And, and let me just stop, pause right there. And they're not pleasing to God, by the way. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Man, that's the enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Here's the kicker. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible. Just like without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God if you're living life on a fleshly level, controlled by the things of this world and not by the Holy Spirit. If you're walking in the flesh and not in the Spirit, you can't be pleasing to God. But if you get in the Spirit and begin to walk, the way of life is you get up in the morning and you say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Most people get up and try to figure out how they can get all they can and can the rest. They're wanting their flesh satisfied. They want a new car. They want a new this. They want a new boat. They want a new bike. They want a new motorcycle. They want a new wife. Uh Uh-oh. Keep going. No, don't talk about it. They want something different. They want something to satisfy the lust of their flesh. But I'm telling you, you'll never please God living on that level. But if you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and Jesus died so I don't have to live under the control of this flesh. I just read it to you. And there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit I'm going after the spirit everybody knows how to walk in the flesh pretty natural isn't it if you get in the spirit you start walking and living full of the Holy Ghost hallelujah try it you'll like it The problem is we've fed our flesh so much it's in charge. You know that flesh voice in your head. Oh, feed me more. I love sin. You know how you kill that? Just remind it what Christ has done for you. And say, I'm dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus my Lord. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Read Romans 6. I'm dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. I, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to give you the Spirit of God and He'll be with you always. He'll comfort you. He'll help you. He'll guide you. He'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. He'll give you love. He'll give you self-control. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the way of the Spirit in your life. Those people who walk after the Spirit of God and not after the flesh, they please God. God looks down and goes, "Whoa, that makes me happy. The way of faith, it's the way of the Spirit. 
You say, well, how do you do that? Well, let me ask you this. How do you, how, how, anybody have breakfast this morning? Who all had breakfast? How many of you had breakfast at church? Okay. How'd you do that? How did you do that? Well, it's pretty natural. I looked at it and went, ooh, I want it, I need it, I got to have it. You hungered after it, right? And you hungered after it, and you partook. You see, you got to change what you're hungry for. If you get hungry for the flesh, and you feed the flesh, you can't please God. But if you start hungering and thirsting after righteousness, Jesus said you'll be satisfied. When you start hungering after the things of the Spirit, you'll get up in the morning and you'll begin to stir up you some Holy Ghost breakfast and you'll start praying and seeking God and reading His Word and praying in the Spirit and with the understanding also. And if you get really hungry, you'll say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. I want to speak in tongues. I want to, I want to prophesy. I want all you have for me. I want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost so I can please you all the days of my life. Oh my goodness. Really? Yes. This is not rocket science. Consider your ways. Am I walking the way of faith? Am I walking the way of the Spirit? Or am I walking the way of fear and doubt and fleshly indulgences in my life? Am I more concerned about making me happy or, or am I more concerned about making God happy? Am I more concerned about pleasing everybody else to my own detriment and, and leaving God out for the sake of pleasing, giving somebody else a little temporary moment of pleasure and God is sitting there just desirous for fellowship and friendship to be able to come and be pleased with you in His life? It's the way of faith. It's the way of the Spirit. And number three, it's the way of warfare. Everybody go, ooh. Turn to 2 Timothy. Let me show you this. 2 Timothy, keep taking a right. We're walking through some of these things. 2 Timothy says this concerning the way we live our life. He tells Timothy, his son in the faith. Oh, let's start in verse 1. And you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Catch verse 3. And you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Everybody say hardship. Try this. Smile. Everybody smile. And say hardship. It's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Therefore... You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare catches this, entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. No one who is a good soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Now, you got to live life. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to live life. But life cannot tangle you up. 
You got to live a life and live a way that you are not all tangled up by this life and the things of this life. He said, no one who's living life all tangled up by this life uh, can please God. They've got to realize this, that when you do that, you got to live life that you may please him who enlisted you as a soldier. It's the way of warfare. The reality, listen carefully, that because I have the way of faith and I have the way of the spirit, I'm called to be a part of the great warfare against the power powers of darkness and the principalities and the powers and spiritual forces of wickedness and heavy places. Jesus said this. He said, all authority I give you. I give you authority over demons, devils, and, and, and all those things. And, 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 oh, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In fact, the disciples, the 70, when they were sent out, he said, heal the sick and preach the kingdom. They came back and said, oh, Jesus. That's just my Pentecostal interpretation. It's a paraphrase. Ooh, Jesus. Even the demons were subject to us in your name. Hallelujah. He said, well, that's good, but don't rejoice in that. Just rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. But what did they learn? There's a warfare out there. And God's well pleased when we realize that we're in this thing for keeps and we're warriors and soldiers in the army of God. We've, we've been called to the front lines. Come on now. We're not here to just sit soaking sour. We're here to take authority over the devil. We're here to, to break down and pull down strongholds and do battle in behalf of, of those who are lost and without Christ. We did it just a few moments ago on the altar. We rebuked the devil off of people's lives. Listen, I'm telling you, the devil's real. Hell is real, hell is hot, demons are real, and they've got your friends and neighbors all hung up in their head, and they need somebody who wants to please God enough to look into their world and bind the devil off their life and rebuke him in the name of the Lord. Amen? It's the way of warfare. Oh, pastor, the devil. Oh, the devil. Yeah, you know why he's still here? Anybody know why he's still here? Not to torment you. He's not here to torment. Why did God leave the devil here? To torment us? Why would he do such a thing? He's not here to torment us. He's here so we can torment him. (laughs) Now follow me now. I had a friend of mine preach this. This is the title of his message. Who in hell are you? Some of you got to think through that a minute. When hell thinks about you, who in hell are you? When hell starts thinking about you, do they go, ah, ha, 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 that stupid idiot, he thinks he's, oh, we got him all tangled up by the fears of this life. We got, when hell thinks about, <laughs> do they laugh? Oh gosh, he's all hung up on dope and drugs and, and he's out trying to please everybody else and please, ah. <laughs> or when they think about you, do the alarms go off? Whoop, 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 whoop. Warning, warning. Jim Carpenter has awakened. It's 5 a.m. He's at it early. Retreat back up. 
Because the warrior has awakened. Who in hell are you? Look at your neighbor. Some of you, this may be why our church doesn't grow astronomically because people are tired of talking to their neighbor during church. Look at your neighbor, get them eye contact right now and say, who in hell are you? No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You see, when you gave your life to Christ, you, you joined not only the family of faith, but the army of God. My Bible says we'll be strong and do exploit. In fact, the Bible says the devil, had he, had he known in reality who Jesus would he, was, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because all it did was release all heaven's fury on hell itself. As Elmer Fudd would say, I think it was him, he said, it's a twick, it's a twack. The devil got trapped by God's eternal plan to pay the great price on Calvary's cross and and to die a sinless life and be raised again the third day and give us His his power and presence and we too can, can stand in great authority over every demon, devil, and hell. Amen. That's why Paul the Apostle in Ephesians 6 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. He therefore put on the whole armor of God. And he talks about the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth. And I say the helmet. I got him all covered now. And he said, When you get all covered in the armor of God, you go out and you wage warfare against every demon devil in hell. Hey, quit griping about the devil and just start rebuking him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ooh, hallelujah. That is, if you want to please God. If you want to make heaven happy, you give hell a heart attack. Some of you, hell's been giving you a heart attack. It's time to turn the tables. You've heard the old statement, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's the beginning of the four spiritual laws. God bless Bill Bright. Millions of people were born again because of his four spiritual laws. He's in heaven now. But the other side of that first spiritual law is hell hates you. It has a terrible plan for your life. An eternally damned hell separated from God. He hates your kids. Do you know that, Ray? 
He'd love to abuse and use your kids, you and everybody else. We ought not let him do that. Because we have authority. Who in hell are you? Seven ways of a God pleaser. I've only got three of them. The way of faith, the way of the spirit, the way of warfare. Let's stop right there. I'll keep you coming back for more. But we have to pause and think about them. We have to consider our ways. Are we walking in faith? Are we walking in the way of faith? We're walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. We're walking as warriors or wimps. A lot of spiritual wimps in the family. I got a quote, Papa. What did Papa say? That all I can stand, and I can't stand no more. Some of you haven't had it all you can stand yet. Come on, devil, beat me up a little more. Come on, flesh, mess me up a little further. Come on, fear and doubt, run roughshod over my life. At some point, we've got to awaken the warrior within us. Awaken the way of faith and awaken the Spirit of God in our life. Begin to consider our ways and say from this day forward. Listen, I mean, some of you got hang-ups in your life, fleshly hang-ups. Listen, addictions, habits that come back and haunt us. Listen, that does not have to be the case. It doesn't have to be the case. Because we have the Holy Spirit in our life who, who can give us the capacity to walk in liberty. In fact, Jesus, when he, the first Scripture He ever read, it was this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor, to set at liberty those who are bound and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He came to set us free. And so anything less than great liberty in Christ is living a second-class Christian life. And if you want to come to the close of your life and God look down and say, I'm well pleased with you. You and I have to walk the way. We've got to consider our ways. Am I going to be a man of faith, a woman of faith? Am I always going to be overcome by fear and doubt and insecurities in life? Am I going to walk? Am I going to be a person of the flesh who just always feeds the flesh and, and chooses to feed the self rather than to feed the things of the Spirit of God and, and begin to let the Spirit of God grow and, and, and be more manifest in my life where I'm walking the flesh and not in the Spirit? 
Am I going to be a person who realizes the devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy my life and destroy my family? And I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. And I, from this day forward, choose to please God and not my flesh. And walk by faith. Walk in the way of the Spirit. Walk in the way of warfare, taking authority over every demon, devil, and hell, and finding great victory, not only in my life, but bringing it wherever I go. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.